You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. David's confidence was not in himself. He's not boasting about what he could do or what he had done in the past. His confidence was in the Lord because he knew with the Lord's help that he declared what he was going to do. He was looking completely to the power of God on this occasion to help him. And so this vast contrast in the way Israel faced the challenge. David had only one thing that the rest of his fellow Israelites lacked, faith. He was certainly not as strong. He wasn't armored in the same way. He could barely even lift King Saul's sword, let alone fight with it. There were far more skilled and clever warriors among the ranks, but they let fear and doubt rule their hearts, and they cowered in front of Goliath. As Pastor Mike will point out in today's message, in the face of an impossible challenge, David had confidence that God could deliver them. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 as he continues his message, Taking on Giants. When David was preparing to take on Goliath, notice Saul said, you cannot beat him. But David responded and said, oh, yes, I can. For the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and bear shall deliver me from the Philistine as well. And then also notice, when David went out against the giant, Goliath sought to threaten David. Okay, let's pick up now, back in our text. Jump ahead to verse 43. Okay, so now David comes out. He's standing in that ravine now, and he is willing to accept this challenge, right? And before Goliath comes off of the hill to meet him out there in that ravine between these two hills where both uh, the armies of the Philistines are watching as well as the armies of Israel are watching what is about to take place. And so notice the threat of the Philistine. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. That was a big mistake, folks. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. So David expresses his confidence after these remarks that had been made by Goliath. Verses 45 through 47. How did David David responds, verse 45, Then David said to the Philistine, 
you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. In other words, David is going to go out against this champion for the glory of uh, God. And notice his confidence, and I think that this is noteworthy, certainly worth uh, mentioning, David's confidence was not in himself. He's not boasting about what he could do or what he had done in the past. His confidence was in the Lord because he knew with the Lord's help that he declared what he was going to do. He was looking completely to the power of God on this occasion to help him. And so this vast contrast in the way Israel faced the challenge. Now go back to our text, and I want you to notice there in verses 35, uh, 38 and 39, as Saul seeks to equip uh, David, and he offers him this armor, so that he might be prepared to face the uh, champion, which also uh, indicated that the men of Israel were looking at the greatness of the giant. They probably thought, well, you know, at at least if he has some gear along with him, as he goes out to fight against him, he might have a fighting uh, chance. Well, David was rather looking to the greatness of God. He refused Saul's armor that had been offered to him. You see, the armies of Israel had confidence in the abilities and strength of this giant, whereas David had great confidence in the abilities and strength of God. And don't you just love David's response again, verses 45 through 47. So anyway, David went out with tremendous confidence in God. And he saw more ability in God to deliver him than in this giant to destroy him. You see, David was looking at this battle in the right perspective. It's really not a contest between the giant and me, he was thinking. It's rather a contest between the giant and God. He knew though I wouldn't be able to stand a chance against this giant, he doesn't stand a chance against the God whom I know and the God whom I serve. And then he also, and I think that this is probably even more significant, he also saw this as an opportunity to bring glory to God. Go back to verse 46, the latter part of that. Notice when he gives his response to the threat of Goliath, what do we read there? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So David is excited about this prospect, uh, this prospect, this opportunity to bring glory unto the Lord. Hey, listen, you know, I, I need to mention this. You know, whenever we face unsurmountable odds, an impossibility of a particular situation that we might find ourselves in, okay, let us appeal unto our God, right? And the only explanation of our being victorious and whatever giant we may happen to be facing at that time will give all of the glory unto God. 
And if, if we go out onto our own personal battlefield with that kind of, a, uh, of an attitude, you can be sure of success. Because it's all about bringing glory unto our God, right? And you can be sure that you will uh, also experience great success. Okay, so what was the outcome now? Well, let's pick up verses 49 through uh, 52. Pick up in verse 49. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it. And the sling here, uh, I, I guess I should mention actually what he's using as his weapon. The sling was a leather strap with a pouch in the middle of it to hurl a stone. And he was probably... Uh, pretty proficient uh, with his sling, and I'm sure he defended the sheep, his dad's sheep, on that side of the hill, oftentimes dealing with the predators who would come uh, into the flocks to uh, try to kill some of the sheep, and that was the instrument, that was the weapon that he used, so he was very proficient to ward off any of the natural enemies of the sheep. So I'm sure that he practiced often with that sling, so he became very proficient uh, with it. And so he took that uh, sling, and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into the forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So I believe that it wasn't with that first strike that the Philistine was killed, but it probably hit him right between the eyes. And so the Philistine either fell backwards or right on his, on his face. So he was stunned for the moment because then we further read, so David prevailed over the Philistine. So now the champion is incapacitated. He's laying on the ground prostrate. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and then struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. So what did David do? Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, and he took Goliath's sword. He drew it out of his sheet, and he killed him with that sword, and cut off his head. Pretty blood and guts here, kind of gory, right, with it. I believe, personally, that he probably, after he cut off that head, he took the edge of that sword and put it in the head, and then Raised it up. Now, you know, you got to use your imagination here a little bit, and I am paraphrasing, okay? But to show it, and he probably turned towards that hill where the armies of Israel were watching what was going on. And you can imagine the excitement that was going on. They were probably cheering him on, and just they were absolutely going crazy at this point. And he cut off his head with it, and when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they uh, fled, uh, needless to say, right? And so, uh, again, uh, and then we further read, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, that's all that they needed to see, and they came off of that hill down into the ravine, they crossed the ravine and then up towards the Philistines who were running in the opposite direction now, and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley, and to the gates of Ekron, that was one of the Philistine cities. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharon, even as far as Gath, which was another Philistine uh, city, and then Ekron. Okay, so now the Philistines are routed by the armies of Israel. Okay, so 
there we have the entire account of this battle. Now, let's bring this down to personal terms. What do we learn from all of this? You know, this message is not just a history lesson, right? We've come here to receive the practical application of the teaching and the study of God's word and how this particular story relates to you and me. And thus, there are some important lessons for us to learn from this story. And as I mentioned, there are so many that we're not going to be able to go through all of them this morning. And thus, we'll have another message relevant to this battle, uh, this scene, uh, next time together. But what are those lessons that we want to uh, emphasize this morning for our learning? Well, first of which, and if you haven't been taking notes up until this point, I would encourage you to take them now. The first lesson uh, that I want to relate to you is that we need to set our eyes off of those giants that you may be facing at this present time. And your giants might be some, uh, whatever they may be, you fill in the blank, it might be some health issue that you're personally facing. That's your giant that you're facing right at the present time. It might be the loss of a loved one something that you've experienced recently. It might be the loss of a job. It might be a child who has gone awry, some financial issue. And as I've mentioned, you fill in the blank. Whatever those giants that you're facing presently, right now, in your life's experience, whatever they may be, we get so overwhelmed by our problems when we're focusing in on those giants. And listen, The more that you focus in on them and look at your problems, the more it grows to giant proportions. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to get our eyes off of those giants that you are facing and onto your Lord. You need to get things in their proper perspective. Let the Spirit of God carry you into his presence. And there, even in advance, Before the actual outcome of the battle, uh, the results of the battle is known, worship him for what he is about to do. And isn't that the definition of what faith really is? It's the evidence of things hoped for, right? Uh, The evidence of things not seen. And so even in advance, before you step out into the battlefield, okay, so whatever you're facing right now, just trust the Lord. Look to the Lord. You know, just slip it on over to him. He cares for you. He, he wants to be involved in that whole process of you being victorious, uh, of relieving you of your struggles, of your difficulties, of your uh, problems. And so even in advance, worship him for what he is about to do. You see, David had his eyes on the Lord. He wasn't intimidated by this huge guy He probably felt sorry for him. He was probably thinking, you know, if I can use the expression, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? That's what he was probably thinking. And listen, your situation, and this is the way that we need to approach whatever situation you may be facing presently, your situation is just another opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. Why? So that he might receive the glory of God. And so that you may know that God loves you, that God is tremendously interested and concerned about every last detail that's going on in your life. So that's the first lesson that we should take away from this story. And then secondly, if you're taking notes, write this down. 
We need to realize that God is for us. No matter what's going on, no matter how great your enemies may be, uh, you think that you don't have the juice, that you can't stand up against those enemies that are larger than yourself, remember this, God is for you. Uh, we need to realize this. And to that end, I want to share with you a bunch of cross-references. Uh, Usually when I'm counseling someone, someone is particularly maybe uh, dealing with uh, a, a particular situation and, and they feel as if they've lost control of that situation and now they're just depressed. You know, one of the ways to overcome depression and to regain some hope is to write down certain verses of scripture. And I usually, in counseling, encourage that person that I'm speaking to to write down those verses of scripture on a file card. And then, uh, you know, take that file card, fold it. If you're a man, put it in your wallet. If you're a woman, put it in your pocketbook or whatever. On those occasions when you feel as if, you know, there's no answers to your problems and you're you know, you're just kind of confused about everything that's going on in your life and you can't make heads and tails and you're wondering where God is and you're just not thinking clearly. And, and listen, I understand that. I understand when, when problems and trouble comes knocking at our door and, and we're confused and we're trying to rationalize why these things are happening when, I'm a, when I know that I'm a child of God. Where is God in all of these things? I mean, how do you rationalize a God who's supposed to supremely love us and be concerned about us when he's allowed these things to come into our lives? And we're not thinking clearly. We're confused, right? And so I think it would serve us well to uh, write down these particular verses of Scripture that I'm about to share with you, these cross-references. Write them down on a file card. Fold that file card. Uh, have it always ready and available for you. And in those times of confusion, reach into your back pocket or wherever you keep your wallet or into your pocketbook, find that file card, open it up, and then read those verses of Scripture. And I think that they will serve to encourage you and get you out of that depressed, you know, kind of a state. Okay, so let's get into those cross-references. Romans chapter 8, the first one, verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? Isn't that true? no matter how great the enemy is that you're facing. Here's another one for you. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, there's no enemy that's a match for God. Here's another one. Jude verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That is from falling into temptation, from falling into sin, from falling into error. You feel as if you're slipping. You're, you're heading in that kind of a direction. Hey Amen. Pick, pick out that file card. Read those verses of Scripture. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. How about Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19? Paul is praying for the church there in context. And he says that they might know, that would be you and me, the church, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe that we might experience the power of God to overcome any giants that we'll ever face. And then finally, Ephesians chapter 3, and there are so many more. You know, you just pick and choose your favorite texts and verses of Scripture, and you write them down on that file card. But the last one that I've chosen, 
to pass along to you this morning, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. You know, and how many times, right, we think there's no way out of this situation. It's going to be lights out. I, there's, there's absolutely no solution to my problem. And then all of a sudden, God shows up like the Calvary comes charging in. And he takes control of our situation. And he does for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he does it in such crazy and wonderful and miraculous ways. Exceedingly abundantly. Before, in ways that we couldn't even uh, imagine, right? That's the kind of business that God is in. Gang, be sure that God is for you. And then the third lesson that we should take away from this story is God has made the resources of heaven available for us. What are we talking about? The strength of God, the power of God, the abilities of God, the resources of God. They're all yours. It's just one of the perks of being a child of God, being a Christian. God is for us. And thus, no giant can stand. No problem can continue. There's nothing too big for God. Through God's power, every giant in your life can fall. But, and there's our part. Now remember, this is a relationship that we have with God. And there are two people that are involved in every relationship, right? Christianity is a relationship. And in this relationship, there's God's part, and we've already defined God's part. We've already mentioned what God will do for us. But then there also, in this relationship that we have with God, our Christianity, there's our part. And God's part always far exceeds our part, but nevertheless, there's our part. So what do we need to do? Well, simply, we need to commit ourselves to God. And you know what? That's pretty easy to do. Well, most of the time, right? You know, when we, when we finally you know, calm down a little bit, and we realize that God is for us, that all of these resources have been made available uh, to us. But in that, we need to just commit ourselves completely to the Lord. And thus, he will surely destroy the giants that are threatening you. You can have and know God's victory over every enemy. You know, Peter in his epistle, in 1 Peter in chapter 5, in verse 7, exhorts us, let us cast all of our cares or our anxieties, that word care can actually be translated anxieties, upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so, let him fight your battles. Experience God's power working on your behalf. And so, gang, what do we need to do? We need to simply go out in his name, be strong in his might, and thus experience his victory. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. First oh, Samuel takes you from the pastures that David shepherded to Saul's palace, where David played his harp. It walks you through the battles that were won and lost, and it touches on one of the most unique friendships in the whole Bible. To say this book is interesting is an understatement. 
There are so many lessons to be learned from reading 1 Samuel. Ultimately, we're reminded that people wanted a human king. But no ruler or leader on earth will be perfect and they'll make many mistakes. Only God is perfect and is the very best king. Thanks for listening today. You can explore more of Pastor Mike's messages by searching for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday service so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Mike teaches on 1 Samuel, here on In My Father's House.